Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. Good morning. As Pastor was sharing that story, I thought I hadn't heard the story, so I thought it was going to end with he came back and realized he left his microphone on while he was in the bathroom. So, which is usually my greatest fear. If I get wired up, it's like, I got to stay in at that point. Don't go out. It is good to see all of you this morning. It is good to be here. Uh, as always, I'm grateful for the privilege and the opportunity to break the bread of life and share God's word uh, today. Very special day. Um, as uh, was shared, uh, this is going to be Patrick's last Uh, Sunday for a few years uh, before he's able to be back unless he's able to come back to visit. Um, And so we're excited for what God's going to do in their lives. Uh, We're praying for them. Uh, We know that he is willing to be used of God, Uh, not just in the army or the military, but also in service to the Lord as well. And uh, that's why we are so blessed to have him as part of our family. And uh, we're grateful for that. And so um, he wore his dress blues today, so I wore my dress blues uh, as well today. So um, at the conclusion of our time today, my daughter Autumn is going to come up and minister with me today, again, maybe for the last time in a while. Um, And... uh, bless us with uh, uh, a song of worship uh, at the end, and so um, I'm looking forward to that. So I will do what I'm supposed to do and move out of the way and make room for what God wants to do through her uh, in ministry as well. And so um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to preach as opposed to stand here and cry for the next half an hour, <laughs> which, is, which is what I'm fighting right at this moment. So Um, If uh, anyone needs a Bible, if you'd raise your hands, the ushers will uh, give you a Bible. As pastor says often, I'd like for you to have the Word of God uh, in your hands to be able to read for yourself. It's not my intention to mislead you, but I want you to be able to see it uh, for yourself. Uh, Thank you, as they're doing that, thank you again to the praise team, um, the musicians. What a beautiful job they do week in and week out. Oh my goodness. I was, I was sharing with Nina that every time I get a chance to come and share with you here the songs that the Lord lays on their heart to do just fit wonderfully and or just minister to me in a way that I need it as I'm coming up to share the word. And so uh, the, the song selection today was, it was like walking in the Golden Corral. I, I like everything I see. And so... So uh, I enjoyed every bit of it, and, and on that last one, um, I wanted to go back for seconds. So that was, that was a wonderful blessing. Um, turn with us to the book of Exodus, chapter 17. My prayer today is to walk you through an Old Testament story, and in doing that, filter through the cross, and wind up into next week when you might need what God is speaking to you today. All right? Exodus chapter 17. Towards the end of this, it says that the Lord is my banner. And that's what we're going to focus our thought on today. What does that look like? What does that mean? What did it mean for the children of Israel? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for me next week in the middle of my trials and my struggles and my situation? How is the Lord going to be my banner? So let's begin reading at verse 8. Then came Amalek, And fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, 
and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Verse 11, And it came to pass when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out, of, of the, put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's pray. Father, again, we just are grateful for this opportunity. But Lord, I'm, I'm about to stop and let you start. I simply want to open my mouth, and Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people. I ask that, Lord, because there might be words I don't utter that you still need to speak to them. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would do what is needed in the hearts of your children today. Lord, I would pray that you would do what is needed to draw those to you that are not your children today so that they may become your children today. And Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is my banner. That's what uh, Jehovah Nisi translates to mean. The Lord is my banner. And as I was thinking about this, um, which, by the way, is, is Brother Milton here that spoke last week? He's not here this week? Okay, good. I'm going to talk about him for a minute then. <clears throat> when you see him, you can tell him that I said, all right, I, I wanted to thank him for messing up my message this week. <laughs> not based on anything he said. He didn't, like, steal all my scriptures or any of that sort of thing. He challenged me to open my hands and let God have whatever plan I was making. And I had been studying for the last two months and didn't know why God drew me to a certain passage of Scripture, and I'm studying it, and he's sending me to every book on my shelf that's got something to do with it, and I'm reading it, and I'm loading up and all this stuff. And then pastor says, Brother James, could you speak for me on the 15th? And using my James logic... I put what God had me studying with the opportunity to speak, and I thought, that's got to be it. So I'm preparing this message and preparing this message, and I come in here last week, and he says, I'm supposed to open my hands and let God have whatever I'm planning. And I did. And God said, well, that was for you. Anybody ever been there? You, you get something, and you think you're supposed to share it with somebody, because it's just good, and you want to share it, and God's like, no, maybe later, maybe another time, but not next Sunday. We're going this direction, all right? So please, when you see him, thank him for me for that, okay? <laughs> so, so I started thinking about, well, what does this mean, Lord, that, that uh, the Lord is my banner? And this is one of my, I love this story. Uh, it's just one of my favorite stories. And, and what I hope to also share in the midst of this is some encouragement to the pastor. I wasn't sure if he was going to be here this week, and so... He was going to have to read about it later. But I get to actually encourage him a little bit today, and that's always been my heart since we've been here. I love Pastor and, and Lori, and I just want to be an encouragement to them. So a banner is, is something that sometimes is used to signal uh, for danger. Uh, sometimes it's used as a rallying point. Oftentimes banners are put up in a high place so people can see them and, and rally uh, to them. Uh, sometimes just the, the, the symbol of the banner is something that offers hope and offers inspiration. When I say the Lord is my banner, 
I want to make sure I'm not asking myself the question, is the Lord my banner? Is he my banner? Is he all of those things to me? Is he what I, I rally under? Is he what unites us as a body in Christ? Is he what gives us hope and gives us inspiration? In, in the newfangled technology, we will have what are called banners, and they're advertisements. Is our life advertising God as king? Are we speaking of him? Are we demonstrating him? Are we showing him and, and demonstrating his love to all that are around us? Is the Lord truly your banner? Psalm 60, verse 4, uh, says that he, he gives us a banner. And that banner is for us to be able to run to, away from the bow and arrow. From the, it, it, it's, it's our protection. And I started just contemplating, am I truly trusting the Lord to be all of those things? When I was growing up, we used to sing songs and we'd talk about holding up the blood-stained banner. I want my life to do that. Do you this morning? Do you want your life to represent the glory and the power of God? A banner is a, a, a symbol, and, and oftentimes um, we refer to it as a standard or uh, as a flag. The United States has a flag that is actually referred to in a song as the Star-Spangled Banner. I did have to look up Spangled. I was trying to figure that one out. <laughs> For the longest time, I never knew what it meant, so I looked it up, and it basically means to bedazzle something, <laughs> all right? That's what it means. And so the, the, the flag is decorated with stars, and that's why it's referred to as the star-spangled banner. And, and here's what I began to realize about it as I was looking up this information. We have a lot of etiquette surrounding the United States flag. Tons and tons of things. And I know, brother, my, my son Patrick appreciates this uh, now and what he's been learning and what he's been doing. But I just ran through a little bit of it. I'm not going to you know, spend a lot of time there, but, you know, things like how it's folded when it's put away. Things like it's not supposed to touch the ground. Things like how you actually dispose of one when it's worn and torn and, and that sort of thing. We have a lot of etiquette for that banner, or we should have. Do we have the same etiquette for God as our banner? How do we respond to God as our banner? Let's look at this story, because I want you to see what, what God did as he was proclaimed uh, to be the banner uh, for the children of Israel. I'm going to quickly cover three C's in terms of uh, walking with God as your banner. One, there is going to be conflict, okay? Because you might like your flag, but the enemy does not like your flag. And when you hold up your flag, then you're going to run into those that are going to be in conflict with you. But because God is our banner, we will always walk in conquest. We will always be victorious. And then the part that I forget often is to celebrate what God has done. I think sometimes I'm moving so quickly from this crisis to the next one that I don't stop and say, wow, think about what God has done and share that with others. So I want to just quickly touch on each of those things in the, in the time that I have this morning. Conflict. Uh, James wrote a letter to the churches that were scattered abroad, the diaspora. They were scattered. They were dispersed. And he writes this letter to them, and he says to them in James chapter 1, verse 2, he said, My brethren, count it all joy, listen, when ye fall into divers temptations. He didn't say if. He didn't say maybe if you happen. No, he said that, listen, if you are a part of God's family, you are going to have conflicts. You are going to have challenges. 
You're going to face some things. He, he goes on to say, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work is patient. He didn't say that as though maybe it'll happen. No. Folks, let me, let me warn you about something in case you hadn't figured it out yet. Your faith will be tried. Your faith, you are going to have days where you're really going to start to question what you believe. You're going to question if you believe. You're going to be hit with so many things that it's going to overwhelm you to the point of trying to figure out where am I even standing? Do I have solid footing here? What am I resting in? What am I trusting in? What am I believing in? What banner am I under? The exciting part of that is, yes, you're going to have conflict, you're going to have challenge, and you're going to be facing all those things. Jesus even warned us, you know, if you follow me, they're going to hate you because they hate me. But the psalmist wrote that although weeping may endure for a night, <laughs> joy comes in the morning. So I'm holding out for the joy that comes in the morning. So here's what the passage says. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. All right. Whether you know it or not, you have an Amalek. And whether you know it or not, there's going to be a place, a Rephidim, in which Amalek is going to show up, and he's going to try to disturb your life. He is going to attack. And, and here's what I found out about Amalek, and, and what I've come to know about the Amaleks that uh, uh, try to influence my life. He doesn't fight fair. He doesn't fight fair. If you were to go back and look at uh, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 25, it says that when Amalek came up on the children of Israel, he snuck up from behind them and attacked them from behind, all the weak ones that were kind of lagging behind. That's who he came after. Can I tell you something? Amalek's going to attack your family. Amalek's going to use your family to attack you. If you don't mind, I'm just using Amalek to reference the enemy that we fight. That's what he represents here. He's going to get in your marriage. Start messing with it. All of a sudden, nothing she cooks tastes good anymore. <laughs> Clothes he's been dropping all through the house, now it bothers you. He's going to attack any, all, and everything he can and fight as dirty as he can because that's what Satan does. But here's something I need to remind you of. How did the children of Israel wind up in Rephidim in order for Amalek to even attack them? If you go back to the beginning of that chapter, 17, verse 1, it says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. You know how they wound up in Rephidim? God sent them to Rephidim. Oh, somebody needs to hear that this morning. <laughs> You're going to be in Rephidim because God's going to send you to Rephidim. And, and check out where he sent them. He sent them someplace where there was no water. What kind of loving God would send me someplace where I don't have the provisions I need and there's an enemy waiting to attack me? A God that is your banner. A God who is your provider, a God who is your protection, a God who is everything you need him to be. Listen, folks, Matthew 4.1 says that then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness, here's the purpose, to be tempted of the devil. <laughs> The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness directly 
into the line of fire. Now, we can't say the Father didn't love the Son. And we can't say that He doesn't love us when we wind up in our Rephidim, when we wind up fighting off our Amalek. They were there because God allowed them to be there. Does anyone in here believe that there's anything too big for God to handle? <laughs> All right, then help me figure out how to stop acting like that. <laughs> help me figure out how to stop taking every situation, every crisis, every sickness, every financial uh, uh, stress, and making it bigger than God. Because that's what we do. If God is our banner, if I'm going to hold up the bloodstained banner then I got a holding up believing that it means something, that it represents something, that I'm going to be okay. Did God promise I would like every encounter I have to go through? No. I'm kind of, I'm kind of figuring the cross wasn't very much fun. But you know what? In order to have a resurrection, you have to have a crucifixion can't get to the other side by skipping around it. Jesus knew that and prayed and accepted the will of the Father. Lord, your will be done. So they get there. They're under attack. Now watch this. And Moses says unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek, and tomorrow I'm going to stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Joshua, you go down in the valley and fight. I'm going to go up on top of the hill. Hear, hear this, church. Everybody has their part. And we don't all have the same part. If you're in the valley fighting, okay, don't let yourself get puffed up thinking that those up on the hill aren't doing anything. Because while Joshua was fighting a physical battle, Moses was fighting a spiritual one. Everyone has, the, the scripture describes us as a body having many members, and each of our members having its own function, having our own part to play. Each of us has our own part. Remember the story of Nehemiah? When he was uh, disheartened because of the wall of Jerusalem being in, in such disrepair? And he went to the king, and the king gave him the provisions, and he went and he gathered the people together. And, and if you read through the third chapter of Nehemiah, it's, it's neat because it says, and this person worked next to this person, and this person worked next to this person, and this person worked next to this person. And guess what? All of them did their part. I am sure that is all that the pastor ever wants to happen here at LifePoint. Not for one person to do everything, but just for each of us, called and, uh, and carrying that banner, does the part that's in front of us. And, and, and if I could just expand on Nehemiah's story, sometimes you're going to have to fight with a hammer in one hand and the sword in the other hand. Because the enemy's not going to let you just build the wall of God uncontested. He's not going to let you go about ministry with peace and joy and satisfaction. He's not going to let you sing songs of praise and not have to fight battles on your way home. But everyone did their part. And what I love about it is they did their part. Scripture, scripture Nehemiah 4.6 says, because they had a mind to work. I love that. There was a determination in their heart that I want to do the part that God has given me to do. And so they had a mind to work. Church, we should have a mind to work. Not because I'm trying to tell you to go off and get busy doing stuff, but because we have the mind of Christ. And because we have the mind of Christ, if we listen, God will let you know what the race is that's set before you. And all he's asking you is to run the race set before you. So Moses said, I'm going to the top of the hill, the, the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and he fought Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur 
went up to the top of the mountain. Before I move on past verse 10, I need to read that first part over again. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him. We have a very different mindset in our generation. We will recognize someone as called of God, as the man of God, as anointed of God, but only if he asks me nicely, will I do what he's wanting me to do? <laughs> go back a verse. Moses said to Joshua, go pick out some men and you go fight Amalek. The next verse says, Joshua didn't hesitate to do that. Didn't question it. Didn't ask for an apology for, for being so abrupt and rude, just telling me what to do. But we, we really function in a different mindset. Here, and, and, I'm, and I'm preaching to myself here because here's what I want to do. Here's how I want to live. If I walk up to the pastor and the pastor says, oh, James, could you go and grab that wastebasket over there? There's some stuff here. Could you pick up the trash? I don't want him to have to beg me. I don't even want him to have to ask me. I want to be at the place where I believe that he's anointed of God and if, if he speaks to me, I just want to respond with the respect and the, 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 everything that is due someone who loves the Lord and is following the Lord's leading. That's hard for us in our ego-driven society. Okay? We, we, we get like Naaman, and it's like, you want me to go wash where? In what? There's rivers back home that are much cleaner and much more sparkly than this. And the servant's like, well, you want to be healed or don't you want to be healed? How do we move forward in the times that we live in, battling all of that selfishness and, and all that sort of stuff, if we can't simply follow the words of the people of God? Pastor is loving and kind and courteous and would never presume to tell you what to do. But you know what? He should have the authority to do just that. And we should be okay with that. If it's time to find, fight Amalek, and he says, Dan, Kathy, go get some folks, and we're going to fight Amalek. You guys go down the valley and fight. I'm going up here to hold up the rod of God. We should grab our stuff and go. We should grab our stuff and be ready. If God is our banner... We should know that he is going to protect us. He's going to watch over us. He sent his word through the man of God. We should be ready to respond to that. Now, that's ideal pastoring, which we may never see in our time. But don't you think the man of God is worthy of that? Of us at least thinking of him not just as an inspirational speaker or a cheerleader or a, or a, you know, pep you up type coach. Shouldn't we see him as, wait a minute, he's the oracle of God. And if he's speaking, he's speaking what God is speaking through him. Line it up with scripture, okay? Make sure he hasn't gone off the rails. But when he's speaking the word of God, we ought to be able to respond to it and know that God is speaking through him. So Joshua did as Moses told him. He fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the mountain. All right, watch this. Conquest. How do we get the victory? Okay. I love the word conquest because it means that we didn't just win, but we subjugated and we, we took control of the situation. We regained territory. Okay? Some of us are happy to go home at the end of the day and just have survived the day. Anybody been there? God wants us to go through the day and be excited about the conquest, about the land that we gained, about the territory that we took back from the enemy. So here's how they got the conquest. They're up on the top of the hill, and it said, and it came to pass that when Moses held up his hands. And I got excited when Pastor just invited us to lift our hands today. 
It says that Israel prevailed, but when his hands went down, Amalek prevailed. Hands go up, Moses prevails. Children of Israel prevail. Hands go down, Amalek and his army prevails. Have you ever seen a cartoon where they're fighting and it's like a cloud of dust that they're fighting in and it goes back this way and then it goes back this way and then it goes back this way? That's what I picture every time I read that story as his hands are going up and they're going down and they're going up and they're going down. Because here's what it says in here. It says that his hands were heavy. His hands were heavy. Hear this, folks. Those Those that God has called to leadership, there are times where their hands get heavy. Not an easy task. When we come and complain because we don't like the color of the chairs, it's a heavy task to be the one that God puts up on the hill. And you're expected to hold up the rod of God. He got tired. I coached basketball. And one drill, which quickly became my favorite, was that I would just have my guys hold a basketball above their head. That's all. I'd go out and get a drink in the hallway and just let them stand there and hold the basketball over their head. Try it if you want to when you get home. Maybe a minute into it, uh, uh, and they're complaining because of how hard it is to do something as simple as that. Can you imagine holding up the rod of God as this battle is going on? Your arms would get heavy. They would get tired. That's difficult to do. But I love what happens here. And this is the part I really want to encourage pastor with today, and all of you as well. He got tired, and so it says that they took a stone and let him sit down. Okay? We need to encourage the pastor to rest, to sit down, to take a load off. And then watch what they did. They put a stone underneath him, and then one stayed on one side of him and held up an arm, and the other stayed on the other side and held up an arm. Hmm. That's good stuff there. He had help. Folks, listen. You have help. God put you in a body and in a fellowship, not so that you'd have to feel like you have to do it by yourself, not so that you'd have to do it alone, but so that you could look to your right and to your left and realize, I've got brothers and sisters praying with me, helping to hold my arms up in the midst of this. I've got people around me that love me and care about me and I can call on and they will help me through all of this. Pastor needs that as well. People that will come and hold up his arms. Listen, here's what I would encourage you to do. When you get a chance and you go by pastor next week, week after next, just say, hey pastor, you you need me to hold your arms up at all? And then let him say, you know what? God had just put on my heart that I need some help with this. Are you willing to hold up the arms of those around you? Not just family. Not just friends. Scripture challenges us that we're supposed to love our enemies. Ooh. We're supposed to pray for them that mistreat us. Joshua kept fighting as Aaron and Hur held up Moses' hands. And they said he held him up till the sun went down and his hands remained steady. Now watch this. Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. I love that word, discomfited. It it means not only that he defeated them in battle, but that he frustrated their plans and embarrassed them in, in the process. Here's what God wants to do. 
He wants to frustrate the plans of the enemy in your life. Anybody tired of the enemy frustrating you? I want you to understand that God wants to frustrate him through you. When your hands are up and you're praising, the enemy gets frustrated by that. When things are hard and and storms are coming in and yet your hands are still up, oh, he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. When your arms are tired and you have to take a seat and then folks come alongside of you and help hold your arms up, that frustrates the enemy to no end. Oh my goodness, he can't stand that. He hates that. He couldn't prevent you from getting saved, but he wants to make it as miserable for you as possible. He couldn't stop you from receiving the gift of salvation, but he certainly doesn't want you sharing it with anybody. He doesn't want it looking attractive to anyone through you. Satan wants us to be a a, a company of complainers. He wants us to be folks that are always miserable. He wants us to be people that are never looking towards anything positive or satisfying. He wants us to constantly be in a state of depression. your hands go up man it shuts down a lot of what he's trying to do when your hands go up and and i mean that more than just physically i'm saying when your countenance is lifted up when your eyes are looking to the hills from which comes your help the enemy's got no defense against that when you have declared the lord is my banner There's nothing he can do. Scripture says no weapon formed against you will prosper. Scripture says if you resist the devil, it's how I resist him. To some of you, this might look like a signal of surrender. It's actually a signal of Satan, you've lost. You need to surrender. I'm just warning you, you might want to think about it. Because when I resist him, Scripture says he will flee from me. I don't need any incantation or magic potion to get rid of Satan. I just need to resist him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Scripture says he'll flee from me. He doesn't have a choice. It's not an option. You know why he's hanging out at your house? Because you're not resisting him. Take back his door key. Okay? At some point, you gave him a key, and he just comes in whenever he feels like it. Listen, change the locks. Change them. And when you resist him, he has to flee from you. Let me move on. This is getting good. I I need to keep going. Romans 8.37 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. How many of you believe scripture? How many of you believe that scripture? (laughs) That we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors. Listen, I've been walking this earth for a little while now, and it's amazing how even now God still keeps opening my eyes to the fact that we are more than conquerors in him. And I started looking at all the times I've been down and dejected over struggles and situations and and things like that. And I'm really trying to pray through my fear now. Even when I get nervous and I get agitated and I get worried that something's not, I'm, I'm trying to just pray right through it and say, Lord, I just trust you for it. Because we are more than conquerors. I'm just believing him that the victory is meant to be ours. Because he loves us so. Let me get to that last C. Because this is the part I struggle with. The conflict, I like a good fight. I got no problem with a good fight. The conquest, oh, I I enjoy that. When God comes through and gives me the victory, I enjoy it. It's how to celebrate 
that sometimes I forget to do. Philippians says that I should rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And he goes on to say in that same passage, to let the peace of God which passes all understanding keep my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. And then finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, things are honest, just, pure, lovely, things that are of good report, if there be any virtue or any praise, think on these things. Keep replaying the, the struggle. My mind wants to keep going back to the fight. My mind wants to anticipate the next fight. How many of you are worrying about the next problem before you finish the problem you're on? Come on, somebody. You, you're worried about the next one. This one ain't even over yet. You haven't even, you know, closed the door on this one, and you're already worrying about the next one. Watch this. Verse 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Here's the part I don't want you to miss in that. And this is where we struggle in our celebration. I got a chance to get here early this morning because my daughter's going to be coming in just a moment and, and, uh, and the band's going to be helping her as we, we close. And they were in here and they were singing and preparing and getting ready for what they were then going to offer for ministry when everyone else gathered together. We call that rehearsing. They were here rehearsing. Okay? Not a performance, but they were making sure they knew the words and knew the notes because they wanted to be able to express to you everything God was pouring into them. Folks, when we get a victory... We need to rehearse it in someone else's ear. How will your children know what God can do for them if you don't tell them what God has done for you? We need to rehearse it. We need to rehearse it over and over and over. Look at the other thing he asked him to do. He said, write it down. Write it as a memorial in a book. Why would I write it down? So I and anyone else can go back and read it anytime we need to. Why do you think he wrote this down? So I can go back and read it anytime I want to. And as I read it over and over and over, the Holy Spirit is rehearsing it in my ear. So when that next storm comes, I can go, oh, Jesus walked on water during the last storm. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with this one. It gets rehearsed in my spirit. Listen, when it gets rehearsed in your spirit, the fear goes away. I need you to hear that this morning. A team practices so that when the game comes, they know what to do. If we rehearse in private in our prayer closet, in our time of devotion and meditation in the Word of God, if we rehearse with the Holy Spirit speaking to us the things of God, then when those conflicts and those challenges come, I'm ready for them. I'm not afraid. Why would I be afraid? i got nothing to be afraid of. The Lord is great and, and powerful and mighty. If the Lord is on my side... What should I be afraid of? Whom shall I fear? It just, it, it just irritates me how tricky Satan can be. Because I can know that, and I can have rehearsed that, and then still here comes that fear. Here comes that worry. He, he, he hits me with short-term memory loss, or long-term memory loss. I don't know which it is, but I quickly forget what God has already done as I'm fearful of if he'll come through this time. Rehearse it. Rehearse it in your own ear. Rehearse it in your children's ear. Rehearse it in the ear of anyone that will listen. And I, my wife and I were reading a psalm the other day, and it says that we need to look back and think about all the things that God has already done. As I'm going into this next thing, I need to go back and rehearse and think about, look at all the things that God's already done. And we did that. We sat and we started thinking about things that our children have come through when it was so dark that it looked like they weren't going to make it through. One of my sons and, 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 um, that uh, lives in Texas, 
And, uh, he wouldn't mind me telling you this because he wrote about it in a, a Christian rap song that he sings. He went through a season of depression and was cutting himself. And there was a knock at the door. And there were two police officers standing at our door because a friend that he was online with knew that that was what he was doing at that moment. And so they called the police and they showed up. He's upstairs. We're getting dinner ready. We didn't know he was up there doing that to himself. And the police came and they said, well, we don't have a lot of options, but one of them is that we can Baker Act him for 72 hours. And at our wit's end, we said, go ahead and take him. Hardest thing ever had to do as a parent. Don't wish it on anybody. But it was God's solution to that situation. Can't wait for you to meet him next time they're here in town. He's alive in Christ. He's thriving. He has a beautiful wife. They have a child coming in October. They're buying a house. He's teaching language arts. And as we were rehearsing, we thought about that and we thought, boy, there was a day where we didn't think he was even going to make it. It looked that dark. But see what the Lord has done. And here's what that did. That rehearsed it in my spirit so that when the next problem came, I could look back at that and go, look at what God's capable of doing. God spared his life. God transformed his life. God turned his life completely around. He expresses his ministry through Christian rap music, a.k.a. Fisher, YouTube, uh, Spotify. A little, little commercial right there. It's amazing when you just think about what God has done. Now here's how Moses did it. He built an altar, verse 15, and called it Jehovah Nisi, which means God is my banner. God is my banner. And you know what? That became a place that anytime anyone would come there and they would find out what the name of it was, they would remember the story of what God did for the children of Israel when it came to Amalek. I like that about uh, a lot of what happened in the Old Testament. Is they would build a monument, they'd build a wall, they'd put up something to be that reminder for generations to come of what God did. Let me close with this. As God was Israel's banner and gave them the victory, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our banner. In the same way that God the Father was the banner to the children of Israel, Jesus is our banner. Let me close with, with this story real quick here. Um, because I was thinking about God had led the children of Israel and they came to a place, and as the children of Israel do, they were murmuring and, and grumbling and complaining and stuff like that. And so God decided, all right, enough of this. And he allowed these fiery snakes to go amongst the congregation and biting and killing people and stuff like that. And so now they're crying out you know, to, to Moses and help us do something. Ask God to spare us and stuff like that. And so God instructed Moses to make a serpent, put it on a staff of, of iron brass. I don't remember what the material was. And he said to hold it up. And he said that anyone that looked upon it would be spared, would be saved because they were looking on that staff being lifted up, that standard or that banner being lifted up. Jesus goes on to say later, 
that in the same way that Moses held up that staff, he said, I will be lifted up. And in John, he said, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus allowed himself to be lifted up and nailed to the cross so that he could be our banner that's lifted high, that we can rally under, that will be our protection, that will be our help in times of trouble. Jesus Christ is our banner. Jesus Christ is my banner. Is he your banner? Well, what do I need to do to make him my banner? You need to believe. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You need to surrender your life. You need to surrender your agenda. You need to surrender everything that you have to him. And then he becomes your banner. And then you get to celebrate as God will bring you through every situation. Even when they're hard, you can still celebrate. Remember in Luke, the lady that uh, lost the coin? What'd she do when she found it? Celebrate it. Remember the person that had a uh, hundred sheep and one was lost? So he left the 99 to go get the one in that same chapter? What'd he do when he found the one? Celebrate it. Remember the, the, the father who had the two sons and one of the sons took all that was due him and went away and riotous living and then he came back when the father saw him come back what did he do celebrated you know what heaven wants to do if you come to christ today celebrate you know what this church family wants to do if you come to christ today celebrate folks don't leave out the celebration don't leave out the joy of the lord being your strength But to do that, his will needs to be done. Not mine. His will. I need to lay it all down and trust him with it.